It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Adjustments abound, but results have been varied. With that, Barry Larkin delivers some words of wisdom for Aristides Aquino, Jose Barrero, and Nick Senzel. We'll dive into his comments and whether a recent fact about Nicola Dolo is something or nothing at all. That's all on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds. Thanks for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts on all platforms. I'm your host, Stephen Offenbaker, alongside Jeff Carr. And Jeff and I both have a passion for baseball. We have a passion for the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, We've been covering this team in podcast form for four years apiece, coming up on five, and we have taken our passion for the Cincinnati Reds, and we have turned it in to information for you on today's podcast we are going to dig into the adjustments some of the players fighting for their baseball lives like Aristides Aquino like Nick Senzel the adjustments that those guys have made as we head towards the end of the 2022 Major League Baseball season we are also going to look at Spencer Steer and how he continues to do things that impress and we'll talk about Nick Lodolo who became the first Reds rookie in the history of the franchise to strike out 11 opposing batters in back to back starts. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by the good folks over at bet online bet online has you covered this season with more props, more odds and more lines than ever before bet online. It's where the game starts. All right, Jeff, I think a great spot to dive into what is a jam packed episode is going to be focusing on some of the adjustments that players have been making as we move towards the end of the 2022 season. And a lot of these adjustments have paid off. Uh, I'm talking about Nick Senzel. I'm talking about Aristides Aquino and even Jose Barrero has started to make adjustments uh, as all of these guys look to find what is their place within a franchise that is going to have a lot of turnover and a lot of things change between the 2022 and 2023 baseball seasons. And there's a couple of detractors out there for guys like Barrero and Aquino and Senzel that are like getting ready to be like, oh, great. What kind of numbers are Jeff and Steve going to throw at us today? We don't have a ton of numbers because here's the thing. This is more about the eye test. This is more about what they are doing each and every game. And Barry Larkin said this succinctly on the broadcast on Wednesday. He said, quote, you'll never get where you want to be in this game if you're focused more on the results than the process. Now I know eventually you've got to have results. It's not as if you can't, you you just keep playing and the results don't matter. But what we have seen, the stance changes, Nick Senzel, a lot, a lot, uh, more, you know, compact in his stance, not as wide. You're seeing Aristides Aquino. He does like a little toe tap before he swings. And that's really kind of helped them stay behind the ball. 
And Jose Barrera as a whole is just constantly changing everything, really, to make sure that he can find a comfort zone. And Alan Zinter has had his uh, work cut out for him with these guys. But as Barry said, it's more about the process here, especially for these three guys that have never had sustained success within Major League Baseball. Listen, a wise podcaster has been saying for months that it was about repetitions, not results. And I think yes. that Barry Larkin piggybacked onto that because he's absolutely <laughs> right. You're never going to get where you want to be if you're just focused on that end goal. You have to you have to pay attention to the steps to get you from point A to point B. And I think that's what Barry's trying to say. Uh, you know, I maintain, Jeff, I'm I'm you know, I don't have proof of this. I can't I can't play some audio or play some video that will conclusively prove what I'm about to say. But I really, truly be believe what Barry Larkin and Eric Davis said about Aristides Aquino had a tremendous impact on what has happened since that time. I think the fact that they publicly called him out on the broadcast really made him pause and think about how he was approaching his game. Because since that time, he has made adjustments. He has had success. And he's starting to look like the player that we hoped he would be because uh, the defensive juggernaut that he is with a little bit of pop, being able to hit a little bit, he's valuable. And, you know, I'm here for it. If he can continue to do that, let's keep him around. Well, and there's different things for Aquino that really have reinvigorated my fandom for him. I mean, um, obviously, he is still a guy that it's really hard to nail down when you're talking about objectively where he lands in this team's future and things like that. But what he has done recently is he's laying off the bad stuff. He's laying off the breaking balls low and away. And when he does swing at him, he's fouling them off. He's, he's actually getting to them now. And a lot of that has to do with him changing his timing up at the plate, but also you're seeing on top of him laying off of stuff. He is able to actually kind of work the pitches a little bit and actually do with what he's given. Like if it's on the outside part of the plate, he's able to do something with that. Now it's not just fouling it off and hoping for a fastball down the middle. He is no longer a bad ball only hitter because let's face it. Major league baseball hitters are all bad ball hitters that uh, they, that's what got them there in the first place. It's how you take that step forward is what determines how long you're actually going to continue to be a major league baseball player. I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, when we were building out this segment off air, I asked you a question and I want to, I want to pose it to you again here while we're recording. Uh, we're talking about young guys making adjustments and, you know, I ask you, well, what's the definition of a young player? What, what qualifies as a young guy is Aristides Aquino still a young player trying to figure it out. We're going to talk about Nick Senzel here in just a second. Is he still a young guy? trying to figure it out are these young players still trying to get it together or are they you know major league baseball guys whose youth has passed them by and they're like struggling to hang on to a career i think in the terms of young players i think really 28 is kind of the cutoff here because you know we always talk about oh he's an old 30 or something like that you're not really talking about 28 29 year olds as old but that's really where your your dudes become dudes and if they're not dudes by that point, you kind of wonder if they're ever going to be that way. So I, I do think that Aquino is kind of, I think he's playing on borrowed time, to be honest with you. I'm glad that he is actually, you know, taking it and running with it a little bit here. But I never thought 
coming into this season that we were going to see another opportunity for Aristides Aquino to prove himself for the future of this franchise. Although he's, he seems to be at least making us think about that. Now, Nixon Zell, kind of like you mentioned, I think he is, he is 27 years old. He's just still in that category of he can figure things out and be a late bloomer. Uh, it was something that I heard the other day, our friends over at locked on angels talk about the fact that, you know, Mickey Moniak, a guy who was a prospect with the Philadelphia Phillies, he now plays for the angels and he's doing some good stuff for them over there right now. And they're like, man, maybe this could be a part of angels outfields of, you know, the future and things like that. That's the same way that I think about Nixon. Zell. could he be in that conversation? Now, if he's going to make these adjustments and if these adjustments begin to pay off and we see better at bats, which I have seen some better at bats. And obviously last night clobbers, a home run against the Cardinals, a big reason why the reds won that game. You'll love to see that. But again, how does he look in the box? And I, I do see a little bit more confidence from him where it did seem like he was fighting off strike one, let alone, you know, defending against strike three, even just a month ago. Well, you know, it's no secret that I am a huge fan of Nick Senzel. I have really wanted him to figure it out and find a way to really cement his place uh, as part of this Reds team. So, you know, I ask you this, what does he need to do the rest of the way, what kind of numbers does he need to finish with in 2022 for you to consider him to be a viable option to be the opening day center fielder for 2023 <sighs> numbers wise. It's kind of hard to pin. Um, his season long numbers aren't going to be there. Obviously he's had a rough season, but can he really bring those strikeout to walk ratios down? What does his strikeout to walk ratio look like for the month of September? Because I feel like the plate discipline for Nixon Zell has been the thing that's disappeared this year. The thing that we haven't seen, he's not working walks anymore. He is trying to get hits. He is trying to hit for power. He's trying to do all of these things, which means he's striking out more which means he's not walking that much. How does his plate discipline numbers end for the final month of this year? Because I, I really think you almost have to consider the fact of pre-adjustment, post-adjustment. What does the adjustment do for his game? Let me, let me see what his plate discipline metrics look like at the end of September. So well, at the end hot... of the season, because I guess there's you right. know, whatever, six games in October. Sure. Here's, <laughs> here, here's my hot take of the day for you, Jeff. Uh, I think no matter what Nick Senzel does the rest of the way for Nick Senzel, 2022 uh, should be considered an abject failure uh, mm. on his part. Let's just his slash line currently as of right now for 2022, his slash lines, 229, 294, 297 an OPS plus of 61. Uh, I don't think anything that he does can recover from what the totality of his work in 2022 has been. Uh, I'm at a place with him now as disappointing as it is for me to say this, because I've been a huge fan of Nick Senzel and I really want him to figure it out. I still want him to figure it out, but the numbers tell me at this point, if the reds can come up with a better, more viable option for opening day, 2023, they should take it. Yeah. I, I, you've got some interesting options there too. Like what, what do guys like Matt McLean and what do guys like Michael Ciani have to say in spring training and things like that? It's going to be interesting because it does not make sense to pencil in a 61 OPS plus as your opening day center fielder right now. And you're right. I, I, I do think that to repair those numbers, you don't have enough time. I mean, I think 
if this were the month of July, maybe, but even then he would have to go on a crazy tear that we'd just not seen. And the biggest unfortunate thing about all of this has been, he's been healthy, right? I mean, uh, this has yep. been his most healthy year of his career and it's probably been statistically his worst. So today he surpassed his career high for games played. Uh, his career high was 104. Uh, today playing in St. Louis was his 105th game of the season. Before we get out of this segment, Jeff, I did want to hear your thoughts on one other guy we've been watching to make an adjustment, watching to make some kind of move to break out. And just, you know, I know we're running, we're short on time on this segment, but just tell me a little bit about what you're seeing with Jose Barrero and his continued attempts to become the everyday shortstop in Cincinnati. I think he recognizes his weaknesses, right? I think the first part of, you know, fixing something is admitting that you're wrong. And I think he's at least firmly within that step of the process. The biggest problem with that is if you're still only at that part of the process, I think he's might be too far gone at this point, because looking at the way that he does his at bats, he is still biting hard on that breaking ball low and away. He is still biting hard on pitches that he has no business swinging at, and he's not fouling them off. He's not catching up to them. And yes, he has made adjustments and he continues to make adjustments and he continues to work. And that is one thing that, you know, we, we talked about with Eric Davis and Barry Larkin calling out Aristides Aquino. They've done the opposite. They've said that Barrero is a sponge, man. He wants to learn. He's listening. He is adjusting. He is making the, you know, advised changes to his game. It's just not working. And, and this is the part where the results do start to make you concerned because yes, it's not all about the results. You can't be focused on the results, but if the process is still not yielding any results, then we've got to wonder exactly where the process is leading with him. And as of right now, I don't think it's leading anywhere good for him. Well, you know, I think that much like game of Thrones fans, Jeff know that winter is coming. Reds fans know that Ellie De La Cruz is coming. And at this point, I'm ready for him to be the everyday shortstop. Uh, I think that the Jose Barrero experiment is probably this offseason going to be labeled a failure because what we know, and it's our big takeaway of this segment, adjustments are hard, uh, but uh, they can be they made. Were, yeah, they, they can be made. They were totally necessary for these three guys, and the results have been quite varied. I tell you what, Steve, uh, I, I know one thing. Spencer Steer is already oh, proving yeah. that the Tyler Malley trade was a good one. Absolutely. We'll tell you why coming up next. But first, um, last night, the Reds did something. Uh, did you know the Reds won a game against the team that bet online has given the sixth best odds to win the World Series? The Cardinals are 18 to one right now on bet online to win the world series. In fact, the Dodgers and the Astros are the top two teams when it comes to odds to win the uh, fall classic, but overall bet online has got everything that you need, whether you're talking about futures, whether you're talking about game to game bets uh, on a daily basis, prop bets or things like that. They've got everything that you're looking for. If you're talking about NFL bets last night, you had uh, the chiefs favored by four points. They won by three. Hope you didn't take the uh, points there or hope you didn't lay the points there. Um, <clears throat> 
Anyway, Bet Online is uh, your number one source when it comes to all of the sports. And plus, you've got some awesome. You know why? Why do you got to be like that? <laughs> I, I, I did lay the points, and I do use Bet Online. And I thought the negative four that I was giving up, I thought giving four points was smart. And then Herbert went and screwed me in the fourth quarter. So you know, <laughs> thanks a lot. You know, for as much I guess I deserve it for as much crap as I give you about the over. Yeah, yes. And if you want to take the over, head on over to betonline.net because bet online is where the game starts. Thanks as always for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. Coming up on Monday, what can we glean from this long series of a weekend in St. Louis for our Red Legs? Uh, you've still got four more games and let's see. Friday, Saturday, Saturday. Yeah, only three days. So it's going to be a busy weekend. We're going to see exactly what this pitching staff can do because, you know what, uh, quick kudos before we get into our Spencer Steer conversation to uh, Chase Anderson because we gave him a lot of crap, and uh, he got the win. So <laughs> As is the way around here. <laughs> <sighs> This is the way. Uh, Anyway, let's talk about Spencer Steer because that dude has been phenomenal with a capital phenomenal. In his last 15 games, he's slashing 250 with a 353 on base. I love to see that split, by the way. When you see a split of 100 points from batting average to on base percentage, you know you got yourself a good uh, plate discipline dude. He's only slugging 386. I think that's going to come in time. He's a line drive hitter. Does have that one homer that he slugged in his first game. Seven walks to 10 strikeouts. Steve, I, he is. I, I'm very happy with him. I saw him batting second at one point last week against the Pirates. I think I'd kind of like to see that more the rest of the way. You know, he'll get there for sure. And listen, it's a small sample size. You're talking about that slash line. We're talking about the things that he's done, uh, specifically those power numbers, Jeff. Uh, when I talked to him a few weeks back, you know, he he made a point to say he was focusing on trying to increase what he was able to do uh, as far as his power numbers. And that's going to be a work in progress, especially now at the major league level. It's a small sample size. We're talking about 40 at-bats right now. But in those 40 at-bats, Jeff, OPS plus of 94. He's only 6% below league average as a rookie coming up, making his major league debut for a team that is not in the mix, playing very bad baseball uh, with uh, players surrounding him that probably shouldn't be there. So I think what he's done since arriving in Cincinnati has been a total success. In fact, I think he could be labeled the first dividend from the moves that Nick Craw made this off season. And, you know, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I think he's the first real standout of the return that Nick crawl got by trading away players. The only, the, the only thing that I would say, the only thing that gives me pause because of the moves that Nick crawls made this year and, and this past off season and things like that is how do you value Jake Fraley? Because Jake Fraley has performed. I I don't necessarily know to what extent that means for his future, for the Reds and, and how they view him. But I know that Spencer Steer is going to be part of this team's future. I know that he has shown himself to field competently in the infield. And it's definitely something they're going to need at the corner infield spots for sure. And he can hit. 
And I know that he can hit. That's that. The, I firmly believe the slugging's going to come. I love the on-base percentage and what he shows in his plate discipline. But yeah, how do you value Jake Fraley? You know, I think that's an interesting question. And you know me, I, I have a hard time committing on some of these things. I always like to go with the 1A, 1B option. And maybe, right. you know, maybe maybe there's room for that in this discussion. Because on one hand, you have a, a Jake Fraley who was always viewed uh, from the time of the trade as being part of the major league roster. He was looked at being a contributor. You know, what we were going to get from him, maybe we didn't all necessarily see that. But we all did see him as part of the major league roster. And now you've got Spencer Steer, who's the first real piece of uh, the return that came up from the minor leagues and has started to contribute and, and, and in my opinion, shown that he belongs. So, you know, I think maybe we look at it through that lens. Uh, you know, 1A being Jake Fraley came over. He did get hurt, but he made adjustments. And since making those adjustments and coming back from injury, he's performed very, very well. And then you've got a guy like Spencer Steer, who's the first minor leaguer to break through, come up and show that all of the hype was warranted and real that he's going to be able to contribute for a long period of time at the major league level. Yeah. I, I really like Spencer steer. And I, I think that he, we, we talked about the eye test. We talked about how do they look at the plate and things like that with Aquino Barrero and Senzel in the first segment and, and their adjustments that they're making. Spencer Steer looks comfy in that batter's box. He looks like he understands how to read the pitchers that are coming toward the plate. He really works at bats. There's a lot of at bats that get into full counts, get into three, one counts, things like that. He is able to see the whole zone. And I absolutely love that. And I would almost prefer that that is the first thing that we see as opposed to high slugging numbers and, and things like that. So I'm, I am not worried about, you know, the, the 386 slugging, I think that's going to come in time. And the fact that he just has not slugged to this point and still manages an OPS plus of 94 only speaks more to his ability at the plate. So I, I, I think that overall Spencer Steer absolutely has a spot on the 2023 opening day roster. Dare I say, and I, I thought this was interesting, I think I'll pose this to you as well, because there was a discussion had between Barry Larkin and Sam LeCure that in this day and age, baseball values versatility guys who can play multiple positions on multiple days, just, you know, whenever they are asked about, but also Sam LeCure asked Barry Larkin whether or not you stick Spencer steer at third base for the rest of the season, tell him that's his spot. And he plays every day. There is he going to be better at the plate? And Barry Larkin said, yeah, but they're not going to do that. So I ask you that. Do you think if he had one position, would we see better numbers? Probably. Um, I think a lot of time is probably coming into, you know, learning where he should be positioning himself, how he should be positioning himself, you know, taking, you know, infield at multiple positions. But I do also think that in the long term, while it may, you know, short term impact the numbers he's putting up in the long term, it's going to keep him in the lineup every day, no matter yes. what happens with guys like Ellie De La Cruz and Matt McClain and, you know, uh, uh, Nuovi Marte, all of those guys coming. They're all coming. They're all going to get here. And if Spencer Steer wants to play every day, he's going to need to have some flexibility in where it is that he takes the field. So I think this is great. And I want to tell you something else, Jeff, that we haven't touched on with him. Uh, you know, this is a guy that, that 
goes out for a, a team that stands absolutely no chance of doing anything meaningful the rest of the way. And he's out there tagging up and hustling from first to second base on a, yeah. on a foul ball in short, right foul territory. I mean, he's, he's out there making moves and showing that he wants to be here. And I think for me right now, guys showing that they want to be here is probably the biggest thing we can take away from this abysmal finish to 2022. Yeah, that right there is a huge thing for me. And in a town like Cincinnati that just absolutely reveres a blue-collar, gritty-type player, I mean, we should all be just absolutely over the moon for this dude. And, and in fact, I, I loved on the Discord, I, I had to look this up to make sure, but um, our buddy Jack Straw on the Discord was talking about how you know he's – really wants to get a Spencer Steer jersey. Just the way that you watch him play. It's it's easy to root for, and I think that there's only going to be success in his future. No, oh, I absolutely agree. Listen, Spencer Steer arrived in Cincinnati in a hurry following his trade from the Minnesota Twins, and I think you and I are in agreement that he is here to stay. But listen, he is not the only rookie making noise, and we've been talking about it all season long, and, and there's another rookie that made some serious noise this week. Did you know that Nick Lodolo did something this week that no other Reds rookie has done ever? We're going to tell you about it coming up right after this. You can follow the podcast on all platforms, including YouTube. Click the subscribe button and click the notification bell so you don't miss Anything that we post from uh, impromptu lives to special bonus episodes to our everyday uh, episodes in your feed. Click both those buttons to make sure you get it all on YouTube and subscribe in whatever audio feed you use to get your podcast. Also, make sure you are following us on Twitter. You can follow me at S. Offenbaker. That's with two Fs. You can follow Jeff at Jeff Carr. That's Jeff with three Fs because spelling's always been hard for him. And you can follow the show at Locked on Reds. There's no Fs in that. Uh, subscribe wherever you get your content. All right, Jeff, we're going to talk about something that happened that I think is very, very special, and I think it's a big deal, and I don't know if you agree with me or not. But listen, Nick Lodolo, first Reds rookie ever in the history of the franchise to strike out 11 batters in back-to-back games uh very 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 impressive numbers in fact in his last seven starts uh while throwing out the ridiculous win-loss record of one and three this guy's got a 3.25 era and 44 and a third innings pitched he's allowed 16 runs in those seven starts and listen to this jeffrey he has only walked 10 10 batters while striking mm. out 55 hitters during that same time frame that is music to my ears steve i mean we talked about Early on this season, when our expectations for Hunter Green, for Nick Lodolo, for Graham Ashcraft, guys like that, where in years past, whenever the Reds called up pitchers, we saw guys who could not hit the strike zone if it were right in front of them and they could just lob it in there. There's something about it. They just nibbled. They didn't have the kind of confidence to throw strikes. Nick Lodolo makes his hay by filling up the strike zone. Absolutely loves it. He's talked about it a number, a number of times at length about his pride in just throwing strikes, and I've absolutely loved to watch him pitch because of that, because he's all over. I mean, he's he's dropping strikes up in the zone. He's dropping them down in the zone, whether it's the curveball, whether it's the fastball. And he even mentioned yesterday, he did, or uh, yesterday after the Pirates' start, that he didn't think he had his best fastball command. 
And he had 11 strikeouts. Like, what? And and don't forget, for me, I mean, the 11 strikeouts back-to-back is pretty impressive. But what I think is more impressive is in those starts, Jeff, 11 strikeouts, two games in a row, zero walks, both games. And he spent a lot of time talking about this after the start. In fact, I think we should hear it directly from him. Let's go to our footage of uh, Nick Lodolo talking about uh, that second 11 strikeout performance. I think the, the thing that I, I like now that I'm doing is I'm, I feel like I'm limiting free passes where at the beginning of the year um, I was walking a lot of guys, which uh, I was not really not used to doing. Um, that's kind of what I, I pride myself on. I've said before is just really just trying to fill up the zone and uh, now that I, I feel like I'm really starting to do that and it's I think the results for it kind of just come with that just being in the zone more so yeah obviously I'm not happy about it when it hits them it's 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 honestly in a way though it's almost a competitive pitch for me because I've gotten multiple times this year where it swings and misses and it's hit them mm-hmm. um, so I'd rather err on that side than like a walk uh, yeah. give myself still a chance yeah you gotta give credit to to Romine, the guy, whatever I've got today, he finds a way to get me, get me through it. Um, but yeah, I feel like he, he really understands like what I'm, what I'm doing wrong and stuff, and uh, getting me back on track. And like I said, like certain pitches, uh, grouping pitches together to get me back on track that I'm not even thinking about. But he knows like if we go over here again, this will kind of get his body going back towards the plate or something like that. So. Uh, yeah, like I said, I trust him, so it's good. I love there's that. A, there, there's a lot in there, Jeff. couple things. Uh, talking about Austin Romine, I think that Austin Romine's name has come up several times now and how he is calling starts for some of these young pitchers, and he may very well, while managing uh, this pitching staff through games, manage his way into a contract extension because he is showing himself to be a very valuable tool behind the plate. Now listen, I don't want to talk about his hitting. I know, I know, I know. And Tyler Stevenson is going to be the everyday, you know, right. major league catcher for this team heading into 2023. But Austin Romine, I think, is starting to warrant a conversation that we'll get into on another episode, Jeff about a possible contract extension. But listen, Nick also said a lot of other things in there. He talked about he'd rather focus on not giving up the walks. And I think that's an an important distinction because if you look at his 2022 season totals right now, Jeff, a war, wins above replacement of 2.1, 16 total starts. In those 16 starts, Jeff, he has struck out 113 batters on the year while only walking 30. Absolutely beautiful. I mean, and like you said, he prides himself on not walking guys. And in the in the bit about the hit by pitch, like I love watching that back foot breaker. Like, and, and part of it, sometimes it looks like a slider, sometimes it looks like a curveball. I don't know. That's I, I think I'm just going to call it the back foot breaker because he's right. There have been times where guys swing through it and then it hits them in their back foot. Guess what? You swung, bud. You don't get to take first. You got to strike two or strike one or whatever that was, or strike three in some cases. But the way that he pitches that back foot breaker is just so 
dominating because then he can throw a high fastball and completely just mesmerize the hitter. He can tunnel it very well. It's something that Pitching Ninja was showing in a uh, kind of one of those overlay videos that he does where he throws the same or he throws with the same motion, the same arm slot, and the same release point, and it looks like it's the fastball, and then it breaks and it hits your back foot. It's absolutely beautiful the way that Nick Lodolo is able to shape that pitch. You know, we started this year off, I think, unfairly creating a level of expectation for Hunter Green that was unobtainable. Mm. And very quietly, very solidly, very consistently, Nick Lodolo has come out. And with every start, he has gotten better. With every start, he has gotten more consistent. And with every start, he has gotten harder to hit. And that's not something that every rookie pitcher can say when facing major league hitters this is what i think jeff this is this is my uh second hot take of the episode nick lodolo is going to start all-star games in a cincinnati reds uniform nick lodolo is going to win playoff games Mm -hmm. in a cincinnati reds uniform and nick lodolo is going to be the 2023 opening day starter write it down Write it down. Book it. I love it. I mean, I mean, he eat. I mean, I've said this before. I'll say it a hundred million times more. I love watching him pitch because he eats, sleeps, breathes pitching. That's what he does. Like when you talk to him, that's what he wants to talk about. He doesn't want to talk about Star Wars as much as I love Star Wars. He didn't want to talk about his favorite music. He didn't want to talk about his walk-up song. Like literally he tells them to play whatever they want to play whenever he's warming up. He wants to pitch. He wants to get out. He wants to limit runs absolutely love it sign me up for a dude like that because he is going to be the dude that leads this pitching staff and i i know we've been debating it all season long as to who's going to be the ace of this staff moving forward i think at least in the short term until hunter green grabs the mantle that i believe that he can grab it just might take a little bit longer than i was thinking but until he does that nick lodolo is number one absolutely he, he's been phenomenal. And real quick, too, to, re, to respond to your point from a moment ago, because I've, I'm starting to see more and more people talk about Austin Romine as the backup catcher next year. Sign me up for that, because next year, I want the Reds to begin to work Tyler Stevenson in at first base. But that does not mean that he's going to be playing first base every day, which does not mean that Austin Romine's going to have to catch every day, because they're not going, it's, it's not going to be a situation where Tyler Stevenson catches seven days a week. He's probably going to catch four days a week or something like that. And Austin Romine is going to catch three, but Stevenson's going to be in the lineup. Those are the three days will be DH and it'll be first base, something like that. But you are not worried about the pitching staff because I think at that point with your backup catcher, you don't want to worry about what your young pitchers are going to be thinking on the mound. Because just like he said in that clip, Nick Lodolo said, when Austin Romine's catching, Austin Romine's the thinker. Nick Lodolo just does. He, he's like, okay, you want you, know, you want the curveball there? Here we go. You want the fastball there? There it is. You want the curveball over here? Yep, here we go. Perfect. He calls the games, and I love that that is the relationship that they have. And, and you know, to, to your point, I agree with you. Uh, it's important to remember that Matt Nelson is probably not going to be ready next year. Daniel Bayoheen, your guy. Bayoheen. He's probably not going to be ready next season either. So you do need a bridge guy. You need a stopgap backup catcher. Why not Austin Romine? Exactly. Exactly. But yes, I, I do agree with your 
hot take. Give me your hot take again. My hot, my hot take is that Nick Lodolo is going to start all-star games in Cincinnati Reds uniform. He's going to win playoff games in a Cincinnati Red uniform, and he is going to be the 2023 opening day starter. And that will wrap up this edition of the Lockdown Reds podcast. Coming up on Monday, what can we glean from four games in three days at Bush Stadium for our Red Legs? We will tell you. Make sure you keep it right here. But for your next listen, check out the Locked On MLB podcast as Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and his unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and whenever or, and wherever you get your podcasts, whenever you want them. Steve, when it comes to Nick Lodolo, we know that things are good. When it comes to a couple of guys making some adjustments in the lineup, we still need to see it before we know it. But what do people know about you and me? They know that there's going to be a lot of baseball played this weekend in St. Louis and that you and I are going to be dialed in. We're going to be locked in so that everybody can be locked on Reds every single day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.